Hello, everybody. Hey, I'm Matt. I'm Zach. And this is MZ Car Guys Podcast. You can find us on all the social media at MZ Car Guys. And believe it or not, you can drop us a line if you wish to. Please, please, please. We love to hear from you. Kind of lonely. Um, at mzcarguys at gmail.com. So, Matt, I think we should take a back seat on this one. What do you think? Well, uh, you know, I think um, that's kind of the uh, the common phrase these days. So what do you have in mind? Well, there, there was an interesting thing that I kind of looked into. And the further I looked at, you know, the further I went down the rabbit hole kind of a thing, it became more interesting. And that is uh, rental cars. But I think we can kind of tie rental cars, cabs, and um, any kind of like where you don't actually own the car and yet it's a form of transportation other than like trains and buses and stuff like that. Okay. Okay. I think, I think that's fair. So, uh, well, I think, so part of the context for this is we a little bit about, bit about, um, just got back from a very nice extended trip, uh, to Hawaii. And, um, as you might guess, it's kind of full of rental cars. So it was, it was kind of interesting because you definitely got to see what the locals were driving, um, which was basically Tacomas and, uh, and the like. And then you got to see what all the tourists were driving, which basically fell into two categories. It was either Jeeps or it was convertible Mustangs. So, uh, Zach, how does that fit in with, uh, with any of the research you may have done about this, the whole rental car process and uh, little t- nuggets you, put, you came up with? Matt, can you hear me? Matt, Matt, Matt? I can hear, I can, yeah, I can hear you. Okay, good. Sorry about that. Um, yeah, that absolutely works perfectly well uh, in with what I was wanting to talk about. Um, because, yeah, I mean, if you're in Hawaii, dear heavens, um, have a convertible of some kind. I mean, goodness gracious. Well, right. Right. I mean, you know, if you – well, it, <laughs> So without giving too much away, um, I was on one of the uh, one of the wetter islands, um, and uh, so a convertible is always a bit risky. But uh, but no, it's it's a great idea. And full full credit to the rental car people because you could actually rent a Mustang GT convertible. So at least you know they they sound great, they look great. Um, you know, even the uh, the over the hill guy trying to impress his his new girlfriend or second wife um, makes the whole thing look great. So it was, it was, it was pretty neat, but uh, the problem was yeah. like to not, not to be too specific about it, but people treat rental cars like they don't own them. And as a result, the 25,000 mile minivan that we rented, cause we had five people in the car most of the time drove like a car that had a hundred thousand miles on it. Uh, what kind of van was it? Chrysler Pacifica. Oh, okay. And to make matters worse, the button that opens and closes the motorized tailgate is not on the back bottom edge of the tailgate like you'd expect it to be. It's on the inside panel on the left side of the car, and it's only about the size of a nickel, I would say. And so for oh, the wow. first day... 
for the first day, we were closing the tailgate by lifting it, you know, by basically shoving it closed because you would, you know, open it with the key fob or whatever, or by pulling on the button on the bottom of the tailgate. And so we're, you know, the struts are getting loose and all this, and you can, you can hear the struts kind of going, no, I don't want to do that. And then we finally found the button and went, oh, it's in a really unintuitive place. No wonder we couldn't find it along with everybody else who's hired this car before us. Yeah. So, but yet oof. it beats the Honda Odyssey in comparison test because it has so and go seating. Anyways, um, we're not we're not bitter bitter or ashamed or uh, shocked or anything. Uh, no. So, anyways, um, so let's kind of get into the history of this just a little bit. You know how I like history. I'm going to try to make it as short as absolutely possible. Um, when it comes to, I, I think we'll deal with rental cars first. When it comes to rental cars, um, you know, I mean, it, people were renting horse-drawn buggies and stuff like that way back into the 16s and 1700s. Um, you had some of the earliest uh, in, in the United States, you had some of the earliest rental cars or, or the earliest rental uh, stuff being Shock and a surprise. Guess what it is, Matt? Uh, Model T? Uh, no, before that. Oh. Uh, Bicycles. Depends. Oh, right. Oh, oh right. Sorry. <laughs> it seems like every – it's, it's amazing to me how integrated the history of the automobile is with the history of the bicycle. It, it, it's just so interesting. Yeah. So. Yeah. Which and I, um, I have a strong bicycle history way before I was into cars, so I get it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so really, it kind of, um, of course, you know, the people in the, the people in in you know in Germany want to talk about Sixth, which was the um, which was the original. You know, it, it was the first company to like advertise renting a car. Um, and I think that later turned into Euro, Euro, Europe car, I think is what it became, uh, later on. Um, but what really sent everything off, uh, was Joe Saunders. Now, Joe Saunders, um, he was, he, he had a couple of different companies and stuff and, uh, he, he had a, he actually he didn't have a Model T. He had something else, and I can't remember the name of the of the vehicle and stuff. But it broke down, and the part that they that they needed was going to take like a week. Well, he was an outside salesman at the time, and he needed to go different places and stuff like that. So he rented um, one of his salesman's uh, Model Ts from him, and he thought to himself, wait a minute, we could do this. And so he was renting, um, you know, it was a Frank Arndt, A-R-D, A-R-N-D-T, Arndt. Um, and so he actually got with Frank and started renting out Frank's Model T. People were, now this is 1915, 1915, 1916. Um, and then by 1917, they had 120 Model Ts that they were renting out. So they quickly saw 
you know the the what what this was going to become um but the person who really launched everything um and took it from that kind of kernel of an idea um is john d hertz oh really hertz rental car company uh what i think what would later become also enterprise uh rental car company um but also he was the one who started the yellow cab company so cabs weren't yellow for all since the beginning of time uh no no <laughs> um you know i mean uh, for the he, he he started the actual yellow cab company um in uh you know in night in uh, 1907 um but you know i mean the 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 term yellow cabs uh goes all the way back into once again into 1700s uh with um just people being picked up and stuff like that and being painted yellow so that they were noticeable, you know, and anybody who's ever been to New York city, you notice yellow cabs everywhere. Absolutely everywhere. Um, so, but yeah. Um, but yeah, John D Hertz and he bought out, um, you know, Joe Saunders cars and stuff like that. Um, and uh, you know, then later on and stuff, but the idea of the rental car, um, how that kind of ties into our world now, because rental cars are everywhere. Um, and then the entire idea of, um, of renting a car if you want to go somewhere or renting a car um, if like your car is wrecked or maybe it's in the shop and stuff like that. Um, it's become a huge business to the point that a lot of manufacturers since the, I think the sixties and seventies, they've actually had cars that they built specifically for rental car fleets. Right. Yeah. So they're, they're, they're no, stripped out basically. They're under they're under spec, so they come in at a lower cost, which makes a lower rental price, and it's just typical A to B transportation. Yeah. Now, mind you, that you know the 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 general John and Jane, you know, D public, who wanted something a little bit nicer and stuff. They've kind of added a couple of different features and stuff like that. But for the most part, they just needed the things to go you know, 40,000 miles and then they got dumped onto the, you know, to the used car market, um, you know, without, you know, with people kind of doing stuff and everything. But as we've talked about before, rental car fleets and the production of the rental cars and the designing of the car to be a rental car or be available as a rental car in some aspect has impacted some manufacturers. Um, some manufacturers survive almost exclusively off the fact that they do rental cars. I'm looking at you, Nissan. Oh, that's a good point. You know, um, 
the only, you know, when you take into account, you know, um, it's, and Honda likes to put this out there because Honda doesn't do fleet leasing. So they don't release out to rental car, you know, rental car companies or something like that because they don't want it to impact the used car market value for the cars. Um, so, so they don't get into it and stuff. But when you look at like compact SUVs, for instance, um, the number one seller is Mr. Matt. Oh, the RAV4. Uh, yeah, it's the RAV4, and then closely to that is, I believe, the Rogue, isn't it? It depends on the year, yeah. But uh, there yeah. was a period of time not long ago when the Rogue was number one. Um, and in fact, at one point, it was number one in consumer sales and total sales because the incentives were so high that it, it out it outcheaped everyone on the market. Yeah, except for the fact that if you look at um, actual retail sales, of like people going into the showroom and purchasing vehicles, the Honda CRV has been number one for about a decade. Right, and, so, they, and they do generally speaking, you know, they uh, that car. Well, in the last decade, sales have risen across the board, right? As mid as midsize sedan sales have dropped, but generally oh, yeah. speaking, you're looking at. I, I, I want to say the the ten year bump, and this is both CRV and Rav4, is somewhere between from a from two hundred fifty thousand to now four hundred thousand, give or take. You know, depending on the car and the year and when it was refreshed and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, but that's no, no, that's no. A heck of a jump. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, you know, you've and, seen it. You, you've seen it ahead. to the point of where. Ford has basically said we're not making cars anymore, except for the Mustang. Right. right. You know, when your only car is a two-door, I don't even know what you call it. It's not a sports car. It's not a muscle car. I guess car and driver calls it a pony car. We'll go with that. It's yeah, only, it's only a category Ford invented. Um, yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> so we'll use their... I, I think they're allowed to take that. <laughs> so, you know, which is funny because why is the, why is the Mustang a pony car and why is Ferrari not a pony car? But anyway, um, ooh, good. So, one. so uh, maybe the Ferraris were more grown up people. Um, but uh, yeah. the uh, I lost it. But anyway, yeah, the, right. The fact that Ford doesn't make cars anymore, right? They're they're focusing on their strengths, right? Which has always been trucks and SUVs, primarily trucks. They are king of the pickup truck as much as the, the GM people would wish they weren't and, you know, all sorts of it, – it's, it's funny how the, the loyalties, right, and sort of the yeah. my team is better than your team thing real quick with pickup trucks, since we're talking about GM anyway, um, is almost as bad as the Australian Ford versus Holden thing because it's really a funny parallel between their, like, the supercars and the American pickup truck in the same kind of deal because a, a Holden is a nothing more than an Australian GM car or was an Australian GM car. Um, but, but back to the rental car stuff, it's, it's the market has changed so dramatically now. I mean, we, we went into the shop. This is to the rental car place. This is less than two weeks ago. All we were told we were going to be getting in a minivan and it seats at least seven people. 
and it turns out that we've got a Pacifica, which has a leather interior. I use leather in quotation marks because if that was leather, I don't want to see the cow it came from. Um, with captain's chairs in the second row and three seats in the back row and power tailgate and heated front seat and that kind of thing, right? Um, so it was kind of an interesting way it was spec'd, but it was a rental car. And then next door, they had, well, not next door, in the same parking lot, they had Dodge Grand Caravans. And all you did was look at the outside to realize that the Pacific was a big step up from a Grand Caravan, which makes me sad for whoever had to drive one of those. But it's, it's a really odd kind of a niche now because people are asking for more and more features all the time in the rental cars, but they don't want to pay anymore. Yeah, exactly. Big, been a big shift in the market in the last, I don't know, it feels like five years. I could be wrong, but it feels that way. Um, real well, quick, it, I had a friend who two years ago rented a Nissan Versa. She was told she was getting a compact car and it had manual windows, a key you put in the ignition, there was no key, uh, no locking on the key itself. No, no, uh, no keyless entry, keyless unlock. Yeah. What do you want to call? It. You know, it was just as basic. It was bare. It barely had air conditioning, right? As bare bones as it could be. And, you know, and she went in and just got and went got in the car and just went. Oh. <laughs> yeah. And you know, I mean, I, I've I've rented cars before, and I'm. I'm the bane of their existence. I know that I am because, you know, I'm a car guy. So instantly I'm like, hey, what do you have available in your cars? And you can just almost hear the eye rolling from the person on the other end of like, dude, I've got like 20 people staring at me. I've got, you know, like a dozen cars that I've got to check in and make sure that they put enough gas in it. And here you are being selective on what rental car you get. You know. Yeah. Oh yeah, and, sure. You and, know, and, and the answer I, is yes, yes I am. <laughs> <laughs> so talk about being selective. Let's let's I'm gonna use this as a as a, a segue, but within the rental car Genre. thing, which is I would like to, yeah, I'd like to talk about about the Hertz Shelby for a moment if we could. <laughs> okay, yeah. So All this right. is and this is kind of the flip side. Of like a specialty, and, and Hertz has done this with a couple of cars. But yeah, go, go ahead, please. So here's what I know, and please, please fill in the blanks, um, the the empty spots. But the so Hertz got in some kind of a deal with Ford way back in the day, and said, "Hey, we want to have a special Hertz model, and we're going to paint it black with gold stripes, and they want it to be like the fastest thing you got." And we're going to let people rent them for the day. And I think we could even, if they, they could even rent them for the hour, I believe. And it was one of these things where I, I didn't know, I didn't see any marketing. There wasn't anything. It was just one of those things where if you were enough of a car guy or car person, you knew and you knew to go in and ask and you expected to shell out, you know, a bit of extra change for this kind of thing. But you could, you could drive a Shelby Mustang for the day or the week or whatever and just have a blast and they just started doing one again i think this is the second or third time they've done it um specifically with a the mustang there i say yeah. no they did the, they did the shelby uh give me a second Nin- 1966 the shelby GLH. gt 
Oh, I don't Hertz know. GLH. I think there was a Hertz GLH as well. Probably, yeah. <laughs> well, which I mean, is just hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Well, I okay, mean, I gotta look it up now. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, you've got. Hold on. Let's see if I can look it up here. But basically, yeah, there's been at least two. There is currently. They just released, and Car Driver just tested the uh, the Hertz Shelby Mustang, and uh, it's actually a specific spec. It's uh, it's it's lower than the GT500, but it's above the GT5.0 Performance Pack Two, I believe. So it's right in there, in kind of its own special thing. Yeah. Well, I know it all started in 1966 with the GT350 Hertz. So, and it was, um, yeah. Now here's the, here's, here's the thing, 1966. So all of those who were waiting for Ford versus Ferrari, you'll understand the significance of the year, uh, because it was black with gold Le Mans stripes and rocker panel stripes. Of course it was. Yeah. So okay, so the new one is called the Shelby GTH. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, that's that's the new one. That's one you can you can rent right now from a specific Hertz location. Yeah. But uh, it's just that's that's one of those like it's uh, um it's almost like the Copo program for the Camaro, right? One of those secret things where it's like if you're willing to shell up the extra money, you get something really special. Yeah, well, and 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 the Hertz, the, the the Hertz Shelby's are ridiculously collectible right now. Yeah, they're they're just because I think there were. Uh, well, let's see. You're on. I'm, I'm looking up on Wikipedia. Um, the first eighty five oh. were uh, were stick shifts. Um, and and Hertz actually advertised them. I can't believe this. They advertise them as rent a racer. <laughs> Good yeah. night. Yeah, the original program right. was called rent a racer. Yeah, you 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 can't get you you can't get mad at them for that. That's you know, hey. <laughs> most 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 of the original run in '66 were automatics, but not all. Yeah. Um. And they they got back in 2006 for a 40th anniversary edition, um, which was 2006 was uh, was that right? That was right before the um, the last the um, the newer version that brought back the uh, the classic Mustang styling, right? It was oh, wasn't it 08 when we had the? I can't remember what the 06 looked like, but I don't remember it being that special. Now I got to look it up. I actually well, have computer access 05, again. 05, 06, yeah, something similar to that. Anyways, uh, back to rental cars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the rent, the rent racer thing is, yeah, yeah. So the yeah, the 06 is one of the last years of the kind of questionably looking Mustang. Yeah, yeah, the ones where they went. Well, it's not a bubble Stang, but it's got a couple. You know, <laughs> it, was, it was it was a, it was a start of kind of going back to the original look of it. And that type of right. thing, you know. Right. And of course, okay. you do the you do the the Hertz, you know, you know Mustang, so that it 
reminds you of the old days and stuff. Um, but there's there's also another one, so like Zipcar and stuff like that. Um, sure. Is sure. part of the Avis budget group um, where you can actually like rent a car for like 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 or, or not like rent a car, but just kind of have like and and this actually weirdly enough, this kind of goes back to its origins in the 19 teens. Um, and that is just renting a car for a couple hours or maybe even a couple minutes, stuff like that, you know, yeah, yeah. You know, renting for the day. There's, there's a couple of those now is what's, it's all, it's all app based now, right? Where you go in and you just find the car on the app and you drop it off at a specific location, but it's like hundreds of locations you can drop them off at. And it's almost like, um, like the car version of um, uh, those Lime scooters. Um, yeah, something like that. What's, um, what's the one now? The black, the black Prius Cs that are out there with the roof racks. Um, um I don't. Yeah, really what are those Prius Yeah, can't think of it right now. Yeah, that's right. Anyways, um, but, but one program. Yeah. Um, now, kind of switching gears ever so slightly to uh, cabs. Um, now you're getting into purpose-built cars, um, a lot of which were similar to cop cars. Um, so you have like the Crown Victoria and the old, you know, uh, Ford LTD, and then you had the old Impalas and or the Caprice Classics and, and blah 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 blah. Um, so just different cars like that, but you know, just cabs of people going and getting it and stuff like that. And there's evidently, and, and somebody can kind of chime in on this, because uh, I didn't do any research on this particular part of it, but, you know, I mean, to get a medallion, you know, in, in like New York City, you know, a place like New York City, because in New York City, you don't drive. I should know. I've driven there. <laughs> and, in, and the first time that I went to, you know, Battery Park, to get on to a ferry to go over to the Statue of Liberty on, on Liberty Island, I remember being in traffic going, you know what? I should really not be driving in this um, because every single cab, every, all four corners are beat in. And it, it, oh, yeah. And, and they have yeah. no fear. There's absolutely no fear in the world. Like if I ever wanted to go to war, I would just grab a bunch of the cabbies and I would just say, let's go. Because I know that they would storm anything that I pointed them at. Because they'd be like, <laughs> better than being in Brooklyn. <laughs> yeah, I can only imagine. I mean, but so I'm, well, okay, I'm, I'm old enough to remember, um, like in, in movies that were new when I was a kid, seeing pictures of the checker cab in New York City, right? And that being like the classic New York cab pre-Crown Vic. Yeah, when I, I have no idea what his name was, but I remember when I was a freshman in high school, there was some senior who had a checker, who had a, a, an old checker. Um, uh, it, was, it was, his was blue. I think he painted it himself, but if my memory right i think he did paint it himself and it looked hideous but it was a checker it was it was an old uh, cab and stuff like that wow 
And those are purposely built. If you ever find a check or anything, they're really good because um, they were built like a freaking tank. Um, you know, I, I think they were. I think they were almost built as like a low riding truck. I mean, they were like that. Really? Tough. Yeah. Wow. And, and then they were just kind of, you know, because they were all body on frame. Um, they just happened to put the body of a car on top of it. But they had a really like big leg room and stuff like that. Um, very similar to the way that the new black cab um, in uh, in uh, in England in the you know the 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 UK looks uh, with that with that oh, really? large space in the back and stuff like that. So, well, yeah, the, with the uh, yeah the, the black London cab, and I mean that is a an institution unto itself. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Now, I don't think that we can get into cabs without talking about the 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 kind of wrench in the machinery uh, that's caused quite a stir and even nowadays and, and, and they're still trying to figure out legalities and stuff like that and that is uber and in in part lyft um right right basically here. yeah where, where basically it you had for the longest time in order to be a cab driver you needed to actually like pay a special fee and you got special perks and stuff like that like you could park anywhere that you needed to um and also uh but you had a medallion that you had to pay for there were only a certain amount of medallions available and blah 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 and all of this medallion uh, briefly what Explain the medallion briefly. Um, Explain what the, the basically what the medallion is. The medallion is an application you you send in for, and it's a certificate certification that says that you're legal to drive a cab in the city of like New York, for example. And they go for huge amounts of money to the point that you end up basically paying off parts of this medallion for your entire career. But because you have it, it gives you like like Zach said, certain privileges driving around the city that you know, Joe Schmo doesn't have. Oh my gosh. Hold on. Um, but yeah, a million dollars for a medallion is not unusual. Yeah. In Boston, uh, the price in 2014 had risen to $700,000 for a medallion. Um, the, uh, they said in Chicago, uh, the medallion, the average medallion price in 2015 was 230,000. Um, but to show you what the impact of Uber and Lyft is, in 2018 the price had dropped to a range of 30,000 to 100,000. Wow, so that can kind of show you, you know, what it was. Um, but That's crazy. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, at the peak, 2013, medallions in New York City were going for over a million dollars a piece. But in 2018, you can buy them for less than $200,000. Uh, on July 11th, 2000, no, I'm reading this on Wikipedia, of course. July 11th, 2019, six medallions were offered at auction. Three sold for, now mind you, what did I say? There were $1 million in 2013. Three of them yeah. sold for 137,000, 136,000, 138,000. 
and the other wow. three had no bitters at all. <laughs> yeah, so the game's changed a little bit. So it's it's worth talking about since we're talking about rideshare. It's, it's worth talking for just a minute about how it was that Uber got started. And this is the story that I have read. So it's very possible that it's something that was made up by the founder. But what the I, what the founder said well. was, okay, what the founder said was that he was in college with his buddies in some frat house or dorm room, and what they wanted to do is they just wanted to be driven around in other people's fancy cars, and so they developed and he developed an app. And people started signing up for it. And they, when they wanted to get in a Lincoln Town car, I don't know, I'm making something up here, right? They would just find one that was available and go drive five or 10 miles and get out and do something else. And that's where uh, it came from. Uh, sort of. Um, according to this, it says on New Year's Eve, uh, after Garrett Camp and his friends spent $800 hiring a private driver, Camp wanted to find a way to reduce the cost of direct transportation. He realized that sharing costs with people could make it affordable, and his idea morphed into Uber. Yeah, fair enough. So, anyways, but yeah, it was, uh, it's, it's kind of interesting. Um, with that, uh, you know, just over and stuff, but it's created this huge uproar um, because, like you know, like like we've seen, you know, with just you know, with cabs and stuff like that, they've just they've become, you know, they they they've they've almost driven cabs, uh, especially yellow cabs, out of. Uh, you know, just out of the market. Yeah. Yeah, they really have, you know, and it's, it's, and the one thing you can say, it's, you know, it's like an end of an end of an era, right? You know, the same way that like, there are almost no Barnes and Noble stores left in the world, in the country or in the world, you know, but on the other hand, you sort of go, well, like, you know, adapt or die kind of a thing. So you got to yeah. figure it out. Um, the, the thing that's scary is, that's really scary is that Uber and it makes sense from their perspective is that Uber has said that their goal is to eventually make the entire Uber network autonomous driver free. Uh, yeah. But as we discussed in our, um, you know, in, in our, in our thing on yes. our podcast on autonomy, you know, you're not quite there um, as <laughs> of yet. We're awfully far away. Yeah, yeah, we're awfully far away of just being able just to hail a an empty box on wheels and go somewhere. You know, yeah. I mean, we're 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 several years away from that stuff. Now, the problem is, and and I've 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 talked to several you know Uber drivers and stuff, and the problem is is that like like we live in the Bay Area, and it's so just insane um as far as just how many uber drivers i mean he was telling me that there's forty thousand uber drivers registered in the bay area alone wow and and just to prove the you know as we were pulling up to where i was being dropped off at 
I saw on, on his little app, his little Uber app, it pinged somebody to be picked up before he could take his hand off the steering wheel and go the five or six inches to where his, I don't even know if it was that far, but like, like let's say four to five inches away from his hand going from the steering wheel to the app, he, somebody else had picked it up and he goes, yep. And I go, wow, that was quick. He goes, yep, that's how it is. And they've also, since there's so many Uber drivers out there, they've actually lowered the pay that Uber drivers get. So it's still going through a balancing act of, of, a of getting the the right pay and everything like that for everybody. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and it's, 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 it's a, it's a process in flux, right? Cause it's always a matter of, well, you know, what, what does the market look like? What are people demanding? Um, you know, how much are they willing, extra are they willing to pay for a service on New Year's Eve or, you know, whatever high demand, Day you want to make up um it's 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 so i so i work near a major university and i i walk the last mile or so from work because there's no parking anywhere near where i work and i see all the time almost every day i see kids doing uber share where they're like they may live half a mile from campus three quarters of a mile from campus and they're getting an uber to take them there and they're like 19 20 years old because they're running late because they just can't time manage well enough well you know what for five bucks they can take a trip but but at the end of the month that's 120 bucks you spend on uber yeah just going to school yeah right? i mean that that's more than paying for your own cell phone bill when you could just have a bike or a you know or walk on foot and pay next to nothing so it's well, and I weird. was I was in uh, I was in San Francisco last month. I went to a, 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 a San Francisco Giants versus the Oakland Athletics or the Oakland A's, sorry, Oakland A's game. Yeah. And I uh, I you know I walked from the uh, from the uh, from the train station, you know the BART, you know B you know the Bay Area Rapid Transit or BART as we call it around here. Um, and I walked from the station and it was, it was a mile and a half walk and stuff. And, you know, I'm fat and needed the exercise. So I took a, you know, I, I took a walk and stuff and over to the, uh, over to the park. Um, and it was amazing to me just how many rental bikes, rental scooters, people riding rental bikes, people riding rental scooters and stuff like that. Um, how many, you know, Uber and stuff like that, uh, a couple of cabs and everything, you know. So it's it's amazing to me that in, in our world that we've been able to kind of spread out a little bit and you can, you know, not only has rental cars changed the way that – cars are built for, for the, for some part. Um, but it's also, it's changed how we interact with the cars. And now it's changed even further into, 
being able to hit an app and somebody shows up, you don't have to hail a taxi. You don't have to worry about if he saw you or not. You know, you just go to an app, put in your, you know, your thing and boom, pop it away or, you know, Hey, I don't feel like walking. So I want to grab this bicycle or, you know, electric scooter and go to where I want to be. And, you know, the, the world is, the world is interesting. It's 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 very weird. So, the the town where I live um, was really just almost like inundated overnight with these uh, Lime uh, rental bikes. And the idea is, you know, they don't have to; they're not hooked up to any kind of a station anywhere. They can they can sit anywhere on the sidewalk that people will tolerate them. And then you just bring it up on the app and you scan the little barcode on the back. It releases the lock on the rear wheel. And you drive it away, and for and it's a buck. No matter how far you want to bike it, it's it's a dollar for the day, right? Until yeah. you lock it up again, and so you, whatever the ride is, that's your dollar. So if you yep. lock it up three times, it's three bucks. So, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, they're just gone, and there's uh, scooters, and the lime these electric scooters start showing up. They got these tiny little wheels. Every little bump, every little crack in the road you hit is a chance for you to just eat it and have you know get a face full of gravel and these people are riding these things on the sidewalk and in the street and think both of them are okay there's no rules about it there's no regulations it's like the wild west of rent rental transportation and it's very weird well yeah, there's, there's got to be some rules around it well yeah oh, you know or you just basically you just kind of um like i was seeing them just kind of uh, people on these electric scooters just zipping through, you know, they were they were on the sidewalk, which they're not supposed to be, and they're just zipping through people, you know. And it's like, yeah, come come on, guys, you know, let's. So, anyways, but uh, but yeah, I I I'm kind of curious to see where this goes and stuff, you know. I mean, does this does this eventually? you know, separate ourselves from our love affair of the automobile. I mean, you and I in our forties, we've been, you know, we, we grew up with, you know, the, the whole, the, the generation of the muscle car era, which is, you know, the baby boomers, you know, they love the muscle cars and they could work on them and all of that stuff. And so you and I kind of caught a little bit of that, you know, that vibe from it. But yeah, for sure. You know, but you know, what's what's in the future? You know, what what happens? You know, do we lose our love affair of the automobile? I mean it's it's it seems to be because it's like it it, it does feel like people I mean the car people will always be car people, but it seems like, like the casual the casual person growing up today really doesn't care all that much about owning a car. They, you know, they realize it's like it's covered transportation. It can take me as well in the rain as it can in the sunshine, and that's great. And I can go a thousand miles in a day if I want to, right? And all, nothing of that has changed. But what seems to have changed is there's this really not disposable attitude, but a, but a, a lot less caring about cars in general. It used to be a time where we talked about this briefly before. Like I walked past this nineteen. Uh, there's Corvette C3, the first Stingray model, those beautiful flared front wheel arches, right? Yeah. And it just caught my attention. Exactly. Yeah. And you sort of get the impression that, you know, with all the sonatas and verses and uh, 
Camrys that are that people are using for rideshare now that it's just everything's meh to, to, to use a, a modern term. You know, cars are all just meh. You know, unless unless you're dealing with some sort of carbon fiber tub, mid-engine, you know, zero to 60 and sub three second, you know, quarter million dollar supercar, everything is meh. And, yeah. and it's sad because I think there's a, there's a beautiful world of stuff out there that people just are missing out on. Well, and, and like, so my, my oldest daughter is, is almost 15. And so in a year and a half, she'll be driving. <sighs> Which I always have to take a deep, deep, deep breath after actually saying out loud every single time. Um, but she has, she expressed, um, you know, the, the, the lease was up on our Odyssey, wanted to get something else. And so we got an Accord Sport 2.0 turbo manual transmission. Um, because she requested that the car that she learned how to drive on be a stick shift because she wants to know how to drive everything. But I can't help but wondering, I mean, in all honesty, how relevant is that going to be in her life? Because the vast majority of her peers not only have no interest in driving a stick shift, a lot of them have no interest in driving at all because they don't really have to. You know, they, they can just simply Uber or Lyft anywhere they want to go, and they're there. So, you know, they, they almost have the same freedom that they did before, you know. So, you know, I mean, it, 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 I, just, I just, I know that she's going to be in a minority in her peers, in, in, in her peer group. Oh, for sure. Yeah, and there's I don't that. There's know that how meme I feel circulates. about that. Yeah, there, well, it's, it's like there's it's a it's that little meme that circulates among car guys every once in a while, right? And the the uh, the, the caption at the bottom says um, "Millennial anti theft device," right? And it's a picture of a <laughs> stick shifter. Yeah. Yeah. So. But it's, it's, it's it's true, basically. Yeah. So. I don't know. I mean, time will tell, but now, but you also have the electrification of everything, you know, so does that further disconnect them from it or does that make us now want to does it draw them back in? Right. Yeah. Does it draw them back in. I mean, cause I can't think of anything. I mean, you know, you and I growing up, we had, um, Okay, maybe that's not the best example of uh, <laughs> because there weren't any really cool cars when you and I were growing up, for the most part. I mean, you know, when you and I were growing up, it was basically, you know, hot rotted out Honda Civics. You know, it's got a VTEC, man. It's got a VTEC when the VTEC kicks in. Um, well, right. Pretty- I mean, the hot, the hot cars, right. When we were kids, the hot cars were the Countach and the, and the Testarossa. Yeah, but those yeah, but those are the dream cars. I'm talking about the cars that you were actually able to go and get, like our. Oh, okay, there was like next my, to nothing. Yeah, like my dad's first car out out of high school was what was a '65 Pontiac Le Mans. Are you kidding my me? Dad's was, my, my dad's was a '55 Chevy. <laughs> there you go. You know, I mean, yep. you know, but my first car that I had access to was a. 83 Ford Escort. 
baby, baby blue vinyl interior. Oh, the ladies loved it. <laughs> you know, like my parents got us a uh, very well used Chrysler Cordoba in the exact color of brown that you think it is. <laughs> uh, and uh, and it was like I mean you know it was it and was it was, that, it, was a, it was that seventies brown. It wasn't even like the cool brown you get now with like the like the metal flake in it. No, no, of course not. No, no. This is this was like this made milk chocolate look appealing as a paint color, um, and uh, and it was just you know it was a testament to American steel and low gas mileage. But it was it was ridiculous. Like I I drove it maybe once or twice and was like, nope, I'm out. I'm out. I'm not driving this again. Forget it. <laughs> Don't care. Not doing it. You know. So, all right. I think we're gonna wrap this thing up. It's, it's kind of an odd kind of way to go. Hmm. At the end of the podcast, but uh, I think we did okay. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Room, room, Matt. All right. Take care, Zach.